0: My goodness, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 272. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Um, this is a predominantly F1 episode. We're going to talk, well, it is, look, it's a racing episode. We're not going to talk about basketball. I'm watching four basketball games tonight, maybe five if that's where my heart takes me. Uh, the TJ Watt film analysis is in progress. I found some already, some really Impressive stuff about T.J. Watt. Uh, there's some college football news. Apparently the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are expected to cancel their seasons. I'm going to wait till we have more information uh, to really elaborate on that and go down that road. So I think football fans right now that are strong opinion sports fans as well are going, Zach, where's the content? And I would tell them, guys, no problem. Like, the content's coming. Uh, later down at the end of the month, you know, as, as late as I possibly can, I'm going to do NFL predictions, talk about what I think is going to happen during the year, who's going to win, who's not. Again, I wait till the end of the year because I I don't want to, I want to factor in injuries and as many, I want as much information as I possibly can before I make predictions about the 2020 season. Uh, I have some film analysis of quarterbacks coming up soon. That's vital to my predictions. Like, Phillip Rivers, is he good? I don't know. And I need to watch the film to find out before I do a really in-depth breakdown of how the Colts are going to do this year. There's a couple of quarterbacks like that where I'm like, I just need more information to make a healthy prediction. But again, today's episode is all about racing. We'll talk about uh, the World Rally Championship. I'm going to talk about why NASCAR just doesn't do it for me. Um, and respectfully, too, like NASCAR and soccer are two sports that I get that people love, and I simply do not, they don't they don't work for me. We'll talk about why that is. Uh, but first, we got to start with this. We just had the 70th anniversary Grand Prix at Silverstone. Uh, My goodness, what a glorious, glorious race. Uh, First of all, it wasn't just that my favorite driver, Max Verstappen, won. The whole race was fun, interesting, exciting. It felt like it went by in a blur. It was such a fast race. Um, Now, I love Max Verstappen. I think for sure part of that is because, and simply due to the fact that he's the only person that appears to be able to challenge Mercedes. Uh, but man, I have also got so much admiration for Max. He's a talented driver. Um, he gets the most out of his car, race in and race out. And I want to talk about Max Verstappen's strategy down the road in a minute. But first, got to talk about Mercedes because Mercedes finished in second and third at Silverstone. Lewis Hamilton got second. Uh, Valtteri Bottas was in third. And um, you know, Max Verstappen kept the pace quite easily with Mercedes. In fact, at many points of the race. You know, yesterday, Max was driving and had lap times that were faster than Mercedes. It was very, very cool to see. Um, You know, at one point, he was even an entire pit stop ahead of Lewis Hamilton, which is like, what? I haven't seen that from Max. Any, It's been a long time since we've seen uh, anybody in a healthy lead over Mercedes. It's like, wow, this is pretty cool to see. And part of why Max Verstappen was so far ahead was because of, I guess, was not really so far ahead, but was ahead of Mercedes was because Mercedes was having... Tire problems. And uh, interestingly enough, Mercedes was really the only team having tire problems during the race. You know, both Mercedes cars had really bad blistering on their tires. Uh, Basically, their tires kept overheating and were like melting away on the tarmac. Um, And the theory out there that I kind of subscribe to as well is that potentially this is happening due to the fact that Mercedes cars generate so much downforce with the design of their car. So the hires heat up faster than all the other cars and kind of melt away because of that downforce created. Now, I do want to talk about Red Bull's strategy with Max because, oh my goodness, it was pretty cool. They took a risk in qualifying. Remember, whatever tires you use to qualify with, you have to also use to start the race. And so Max used hard tires in qualifying, and that did hurt him in qualifying. It cost him some time. He qualified for P4 to start the race uh but the hard compound tires that he used are more durable they might be slower but they're more durable in the long run and uh it helped him during the race you know on instagram max said after qualifying on saturday he said not happy with p4 but our but our choice of tire could make it interesting tomorrow and it's like oh all right and man max really told the future he was very right uh the the hard compound tires really helped Max Verstappen, he didn't have any tire trouble. Mercedes was burning up like a flame. And uh, the reality was that Mercedes was helpless to do anything about it. They could not really find an in-race adjustment to make. And they realized at one point, you know, Red Bull just beat us today. And they became really focused. Mercedes became focused on, we got to try to get second or third and get as many points as possible. Because today, we're not going to beat Max Verstappen and Red Bull. We got to just survive the day. And, uh, you know, Mercedes seems, appears to really struggle in the heat. That's a big narrative coming along in Formula One right now. So the question is, how can Mercedes avoid this from happening again in the future? Next weekend, the race is in Barcelona, Spain. And that's in literally like, it's next weekend in a couple days. And so Mercedes has to very, very quickly come up with an adjustment to handle the heat and avoid having blistering tires, if they want to dominate the race on Saturday, on Sunday, excuse me, and you know Mercedes does have massive, massive resources. So if it's downforce, maybe they can find a way to reduce the downforce. My question is, if it is downforce, and they do find a way to reduce the downforce with the setup of their car, could that maybe slow them down? And it's very possible that in a pursuit to handle the heat better. Mercedes could entirely screw up their car and make it, you know, they just can screw it. Once you tinker a little bit, you can screw everything up. We've seen that in the past where a team has a good setup, they make a change, and they actually make their car worse. It's possible that if Mercedes' car gets slowed down, then it's going to throw a really big set of unexpected adversity in the way of Mercedes, kind of like the heat already did last weekend. Um, and I honestly wouldn't mind if Mercedes' dominance got slowed down a little bit, maybe making things more competitive. I want to see a a Formula One grid where we have Red Bull and Mercedes and Ferrari and maybe the best of the rest all pushing closer together. It'd be really, really fascinating and fun. Um, and so, I don't know. I don't love watching races where Mercedes, and I don't hate Mercedes. A lot of people hate on Mercedes. You have to respect them. They're a well-run team. They they have a lot of money, sure, and you can say they buy wins. And I honestly wouldn't argue too much with you on that. But they're still very well-run. They make good decisions. And Valtteri bought us and Lewis Hamilton are very, very talented drivers. You can't take that away from them. But I, I hate to say, like, I don't hate to say that. I, I, it's important to admit that the more that Mercedes is nerfed, the better it is for everybody else. It's more interesting to watch Formula One when Mercedes is on more of a level playing field with the rest of the grid. Um, you know, now I want to talk about Valtteri Bottas because uh, what happened with Valtteri on Sunday Gives him a justifiable reason to be frustrated, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Mercedes had Botas take his second pit stop much earlier than Lewis Hamilton. And so at the end of the race, Lewis Hamilton had fresher, better tires and easily passed Valtteri Botas. And it's like, I don't know if that was um, favoritism or not, but it did look a little bit like favoritism towards Lewis Hamilton. And from Valtteri Botas' perspective, I could totally understand his frustration being like, guys, You left me hanging. I had no chance to pass Lewis because he had better, fresher tires. Whatever strategy you were doing, why didn't I get that strategy as well? Why did I get such a—they did two pit stops, a long run at the beginning, a very short run in the middle, and then a longer run at the end. Why didn't I have a longer run at the middle, similar to Lewis Hamilton? It's a weird team decision, and Valtteri Bottas has every right to be a little bit frustrated in that instance. Now, Charles Leclerc had a good day for Ferrari. Uh, he finished P4. He had a one-stop strategy, executed it very, very well, and you know that means he took a one. He took only one pit stop during a 52-lap race. It's awesome. I, I really enjoy watching Charles Leclerc, and to me, he really outperformed the car in the 70th anniversary Grand Prix at Silverstone. I mean, he. I, I hope that Ferrari can improve as a team down the road because Charles Leclerc could win a lot of races, in my opinion, with a better car. He's a great driver. And I I just want to see Ferrari improve around him. Not even because I don't really care about Ferrari. I'm not one of these guys like, yeah, Ferrari. I just like Charles Leclerc. And maybe one of my favorite parts of Formula One anyway. In sports in general, I root for players. I root for people. I root for athletes. I'm not a New Orleans Saints fan. I'm a Drew Brees fan. I'm not a New England Patriots fan. I'm a Tom Brady fan, right? I love players, and I love rooting for drivers in this sport. It's so fun. And I want to see Charles Leclerc get more support around him because he's a talented driver and I don't want to see his prime years get wasted. And I think he's he's on the cusp of his prime. We saw a couple flubs earlier this year. We'll talk about, you know, there was that moment in the Styrian Grand Prix where, for whatever reason, Charles Leclerc dove inside, making it three wide on his teammate Sebastian Vettel. That was an unnecessary risk. It really cost him. But I will say, man, Charles Leclerc just gets better and better and better every time I watch him. And he's entering his prime, and I really hope that Ferrari does not waste those years with Charles Leclerc. Now, I do want to discuss a, the complicated, I don't even know what to call it, the, the complicated season of Sebastian Vettel. You know, he's the other driver for Ferrari. You ever heard of the other woman? Like, you're married and you have the other woman, the woman who's not as important. Sebastian Vettel's the other driver for Ferrari. And look, Ferrari has a good PR team. They say all the right stuff. Uh, Ferrari makes it look like they're trying to help Sebastian Vettel. They say, what they say is, we love Seb. We're making all these adjustments. We're trying to get better performance out of our car. And the problem is that on the track, it looks like the only reason Sebastian Vettel is out there is because Ferrari needs to have two cars on the track. Therefore, Seb needs to be out there. I mean, you can say a lot of pretty stuff about Sebastian Vettel. Honestly, Ferrari, every time they say, we're trying to make adjustments, it really feels like they're blaming Sebastian Vettel. And I, I really have never been a fan ever since I, there's so many movies about Ferrari and about, you know, watch, I, I, this is silly, but even the way they're predicting you know, they're, they're shown in the media, watch Ford versus Ferrari or watch, what am I saying? Um, watch Rush. I know these are movies, but early on in my life, Ferrari was painted as a company that is a little bit weird. They have a lot of favoritism. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes in Ferrari that I go, ah, I don't like how they're run. And unfortunately, they're living up to the way they're portrayed in the media. And I think part of that's because they're portrayed accurately in the media. I mean, why was Sebastian Vettel given a completely different strategy than Charles Leclerc? I, I get You have to infor- inform the one. If you give both your drivers the same strategy, you are more prone to having things go wrong. You want more of a scattershot where we're going to try one strategy with this guy, another strategy with this guy to see if, you know, if one fails, the other one might work. I get that. But from Sebastian Vettel's perspective, you go, you got to be frustrated. Like why is Charles Leclerc getting the best effort when I'm not, I'm clearly not wanted. I'm sure that's how Seb would feel. And it's clear. Seb has the worst car of the two Ferrari drivers. It seems like Sebastian Vettel gets no love, no attention, and Ferrari appears to just be done with him. Like they're like, "Hey, we've already moved on. We're we're done. Uh, we we got to finish the year with you because you're here. You're under contract, and we need a second driver." But Sebastian Vettel finished P12, and Ferrari appears to be not really be investing very much. And I get it; he's leaving, so I don't blame Ferrari. I kind of, I somewhat understand Ferrari going. This guy's on his way out. We're not going to invest a lot into him. But I do have to feel bad for Sebastian Vettel. Like, man, this dude is not getting the love or attention he needs to be successful as a driver. And it does appear that in the standings, it hurts him. And maybe Ferrari's accepted. We're not going to win this year. This year is all about developing Charles Leclerc. I get it. Uh, But either way, Sebastian Vettel's still an important part of your team. Your number two driver is a guy who can bring in points for your team. And Ferrari has appeared to just completely write off Sebastian Vettel and does not appear to care very much what happens to him. I don't care what they say. People are going to comment, you know, well, they said this, they said that, they said this. What are their actions? Actions speak way louder than words, and Ferrari's actions appear that they have very little care in the world what happens to Sebastian Vettel as long as he finishes the race to some degree. Now, Nico Hulkenberg finished in P7. Uh, He was filling in for Racing Point uh, for Sergio Perez. Filling in for Sergio Perez with Racing Point. And obviously the dream of having Nico Hulkenberg get a podium, it didn't happen. It was a little bit disappointing. Um, and I'll be honest, Nico Hulkenberg did not even outperform his teammate Lance Stroll. And you can say, well, Lance Stroll's been driving the car all year. He's got more familiarity. Um, Lance Stroll got P6. Nico Hulkenberg got P7. And there was a brief moment of excitement for me when Nico Hulkenberg went and got soft tires. I am went, ooh, he's going for fastest lap. And that never happened. And Racing Point's going to be happy to get Sergio Perez back whenever he does come back, I think next weekend. And honestly, I believe that Nico Hulkenberg may have just missed out on his chance to ever get a Formula 1 podium position. Maybe he gets another spot down the road. Right now, he's not signed with anybody next year in Formula 1. And I would be shocked if Nico Hulkenberg ever really gets another opportunity in a great car to get a podium in Formula One. I like Nico Hulkenberg. I, I hope he does. Maybe someday both Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton retire, and they go, hey, we're going to bring in George Russell, and Nico Hulkenberg will be our driver number two. That'd be pretty cool. That's a dream of dreams. I think, honestly, their Mercedes is going to eye Esteban Ocon whenever they need a new number two, uh, and maybe George Russell is that guy to be their no- number one someday in the future. Um, but to me, it's like, man, Nico Hulkenberg got P7, started in P3, The dream died pretty quickly. Right off the jump, he got passed by Max Verstappen. And I don't think that Nico Hulkenberg's ever going to get another opportunity this good to have a chance at a podium spot. I just don't think Nico Hulkenberg is ever going to get a podium position at the end of a race, uh, ever going to finish in the top three of a Formula One race in the rest of his lifetime. It's sad. Um, It's also an unfortunate reality. I mean, he's gone 178 races now and never gotten a podium And you can blame the cars all you want. You can do whatever you want. But I feel like if Nico Hulkenberg... And you can even say, like, Nico Hulkenberg was in a car he wasn't very familiar with this weekend. And all those arguments make sense to me. But the reality is that Nico Hulkenberg repeatedly hasn't gotten it done. And it's sad. It's harsh. I don't even like that. I like Nico Hulkenberg. He's a good dude. But repeatedly, he hasn't delivered when he needed to. Alex Albin finished uh, finished in P5. Honestly, Alex Albin had a tough weekend, um, but I will say P5 is not terrible. P5, um, it's better than he's done in a while. Uh, he had, In the P- Asterian Grand Prix, he got uh, P4. I want to see Alex Albin pushing Max Verstappen and Mercedes week in and week out. Um, you know, P5 behind Charles Leclerc is an improvement for Alex. I want to give him credit there. It's a step in the right direction. And... I just want to see more improvement down the road from Alex Albon. We'll talk about why that is in a minute. Uh, now, after the race, after the 70th anniversary Grand Prix, uh, the driver standings are now uh, like this. Number one, you have Lewis Hamilton with 107 points. Number two, making a jump ahead, Max Verstappen has 77 points. And number three, you have Adry Botas with 73 points. Then after those three you have Charles Leclerc with 45 points and Lando Norris with 38 points. That's the top five right now in the driver's standings in Formula One. Now, in the constructor standings, in the team standings, you have Mercedes with 180 points. Number two, you have Red Bull with 113 points. Now, that's the battle for the top two. Now, the battle for third and also the battle for best of the rest, you have four teams vying for two spots. You have Number three, Ferrari with 55 points. Number four, McLaren with 53 points. Number five, Racing Point with 41 points. Even though they also had 15 points deducted, they're still very competitive. They're in the race. They're the fifth highest team right now in Formula 1. And then you have Renault in fifth place with 36 points. Excuse me, Renault's in sixth place with 36 points. The two big battles right now in Formula 1 are... Who is going to get third and fourth? You have four teams competing for only two spots. So who is going to get third? Is it Ferrari? Is it McLaren? Is it Renault? Is it Racing Point? Who's going to get fourth? Four teams vying for two spots. And then who is going to win the F1 championships? Who's going to win the Drivers' Championship? And who's going to win the Team Constructors' Cup championship? Uh, Max Verstappen is in second behind Lewis Hamilton in the Drivers' Championship. He's ahead of Valtteri Bottas. And Max Verstappen really has a chance to push Lewis Hamilton. And Lewis Hamilton, especially with the heat coming up, if Lewis Hamilton's tires are struggling again next week and maybe the week after that, Max Verstappen has a great opportunity here to make a run at Lewis Hamilton. Now, Red Bull's the only team near Mercedes. They're number two in the Constructors' Cup. And if Mercedes keeps struggling with heat, it's going to open up an opportunity where Red Bull, so Max Verstappen as a driver can compete with Lewis Hamilton. But if Red Bull wants to, as a team, challenge Mercedes, two things need to happen. Number one, Mercedes needs to keep having problems with tires and heat. They need to keep having heat issues. The blistering needs to continue in order to help Red Bull stay competitive with Mercedes. But number two, Alex Albin needs to step up. Alex Albin needs to take a step forward and join the conversation for third and fourth place every single race. Every race this year, like it or not, dependent on result, you've had Mercedes one and two and Max Verstappen at the top. Alex Albin needs to jump ahead and join that conversation. So that's what I'm looking for in the coming weeks in Formula One. How does Mercedes handle the heat? Uh, What happens in the battle for third and fourth? And can Alex Albin make a step forward to join the conversation at the top in podium finishes week in and week out in Formula One races. Alex Alvin is the key to Red Bull success. He needs to take a step forward and get better. Okay, guys, I want to answer some questions from the audience. It's time for Ask Zach. This is my favorite part of the show. It's where we read questions from the audience. In case you don't know how to send in a question, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. Uh, but a dollar a month gives you access to su- uh, send in questions on Patreon. And if you submit a question, I will not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single question with my eyeballs. I read messages. I try to respond to them every time I can. Uh, and I pick the top couple questions to read At the end of every podcast or as often as I do Ask Zach on a podcast, I love answering questions. It's a—and look, Patreon's a big deal to me. It really, uh, a couple months ago, helped pay my bills. It kept us afloat. Uh, Really, really helpful. Really big deal. Thank you to the people on Patreon. I am so grateful for your support. Now, the first question for Patreon is from David. David writes in, if I can get my stupid phone to flip, why does this always happen? Whatever reason, I use, uh, what is this called? Google Docs. Google Docs never can figure out how to get the thing vertical. It's such a weird app. Even with the screen lock, it stays sideways. It's so annoying. David writes in. David says, hey, Zach, F1 question here. Among all the midfield team's drivers, which two drivers among midfield teams would you pair up together to make a lineup of your own midfield team? This is excluding you cannot have Sebastian Vettel, Charles Leclerc. Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas, Max Verstappen, or Alex Albin. Thank you so much. David, thank you for your question. Um, it's funny. you know. I, first of all, I would call Ferrari right now a midfield team. Uh, but I, And I was a bit disappointed. I would have picked Charles Leclerc to be my number one driver if I could. Uh, so fair enough. I can't have Charles Leclerc. How would I build a team with only midfield drivers? What, what lineup would I want in Formula 1? There's, you know, you said I couldn't have six, so that's what's 20 minus six. 14 other drivers I could choose from. And it's funny, when I answered this question independently in my head, I actually I ended up picking McLaren's current lineup because I really like the two drivers they have. And it's funny, McLaren's not going to have them next year. It's like, oh, well, the two drivers I would pick are not going to be teamed up again next year. Um, maybe it's telling, though, that I did pick McLaren and the lineup they have right now. I didn't pick McLaren because I like McLaren, I picked McLaren because. I like their two drivers independently, and they bring things to the table I like. I'll explain that right now. Number one, the first guy I would choose if I was building a team is Carlos Sainz. Your number two driver is so, so important. Right now, why is Red Bull not closer to Mercedes? They have a great driver, Max Verstappen, but it's not just your star driver. You need a good number two. Alex Albin hasn't been up to the task so far this year to join the conversation for podium finishes very often. Uh, I would pick Carlos Sainz to be my number two driver. I love Carlos Sainz. He's very talented. He can get you points. But the most important thing that Carlos Sainz brings to the table as a number two driver is that he's unselfish and he's a team player. It's such an underrated quality for your number two driver. Can he get points? And is he going to stay out of the way of your number one driver? Valtteri Bottas is the best number two driver on the grid right now. Right behind him, in my opinion, is Carlos Sainz. I love Carlos Sainz. Uh, If you want to pair Carlos Sainz with a star, that is how you score a lot of points. McLaren right now, I believe they're fourth in the standings. That's because of the finishes they're getting from Lando Norris doing his job and Carlos Sainz supporting behind him, getting a lot of points with the number two driver spot. Um, You know, McLaren has Carlos Sainz right now. Next year, Ferrari's going to have Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. Ferrari's going to have their star driver, talented young star Charles Leclerc, paired with Carlos Sainz, who's a dependable cleanup hitter and a guy who can score points and will not cause problems for a number one driver. Ferrari's got a good driver lineup moving forward, in my opinion. Um, But since I can't pick... Charles Leclerc, I cannot pick Max Verstappen. I got to pick somebody to be my number one headlining star driver. I want a young guy. I want someone who's an up-and-coming star. And in my opinion, if I could not have Lewis Hamilton, who I don't know if I'd pick Lewis Hamilton now anyway because he's aging. I'd want a younger guy. Like, Hamilton's incredible. Do Do not take that statement and go, man, you hate Lewis Hamilton. No, Lewis Hamilton, utmost respect, he's amazing. But if I'm building for the future, I want a guy in his early 20s to build around. Uh, to me, it's either Max Verstappen or Charles Leclerc. I can't have him or, uh, or Lewis Hamilton uh, or Leclerc. So the guy I choose, the young rising star I would build my team around is Lando Norris. Lando Norris is 20 years old. He's got a cool name. Uh, that's, it helps with marketing. You got you to factor that in a little bit, but not too much. The main thing that Lando Norris brings to the table is that he's crazy talented, And his best years are ahead of him. The only two people to get on a podium this year that were not from a Red Bull or a Mercedes team uh, team were Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris. That says a lot. Lando Norris is a very, very talented young driver. If I can't have Max Verstappen or I can't have Charles Leclerc, then I want Lando Norris. And the only reason why Lando Norris isn't in the same level as Charles Leclerc or Max Verstappen is because, in my opinion, he's a year or two behind them. Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, they're a little bit older. They've been racing a little bit longer in Formula 1. And I don't even know if that's accurate. I, I just know that they're older. And their results show me they're a little bit better right now. But if you look to the future, Lando Norris is a rising star. And I would take Lando Norris as my young superstar number one driver in F1. Those three guys, Verstappen, Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris, they are the future of Formula One. They are rising superstars. Uh, Verstappen already is one. Leclerc already kind of is one. Lando Norris is on the rise. And uh, I would pick Lando Norris to be my number one driver of all the midfield teams. So, again, I accidentally built the McLaren current lineup right now. and Ironically, I'm right. It shows in the standings, oh, wow, who's fourth in Formula One? McLaren, because they have... Other than all the top teams, they have the best driver lineup, in my opinion. Now there are some honorable mentions I want to talk about. Uh, Esteban Ocon is an honorable mention as a number two driver. He's a good dude. He's got some talent. Uh, he's a team player. I like Esteban Ocon a lot. And if I couldn't have Carlos Sainz, if I couldn't have Alvaro Botas, then my number two driver would, in fact, be Esteban Ocon. If Esteban Ocon had a faster car, he's a good driver. He's a guy who can score a lot of points. He's a great number two. And if I couldn't have Lando Norris, I couldn't have Charles Leclerc or Max Verstappen as my number one. Remember, I'm looking for a young driver who, is, I believe, could have the talent to be a future superstar. Then the guy I would choose is my number one. If I couldn't have those other drivers, I would have George Russell as my number one. He's a great driver in a bad car. George Russell's 22 years old. He pushed the Williams car to its limit a couple times this year. And uh, I want to see George Russell in a good car someday. It's very possible. Maybe George Russell is a future driver for Mercedes. Like when Valtteri Bottas is gone or Lewis Hamilton is gone, maybe George Russell's the guy who could replace one of them at Mercedes. And so George Russell's the, if I couldn't have the other drivers i listed, George Russell is my honorable mention as my number one driver headlining my team, hopefully in a good car. Okay, I need some water real quick brought out the giant thing talking a lot this episode how many minutes are we in 27 minutes in oh my gosh um galant writes in he says hi zach i wanted to say thank you for all your content galant thank you so much i'm working my butt off i'm glad you like it um he says i've been following you for i don't know how long now i appreciate your work seeing you talk about f1 recently i want to ask have you ever watched or heard of wrc If not, can I recommend a short video introduction? I think you might enjoy it. Even cooler would maybe be a reaction to the video. Here it is. Sends a YouTube link. All right, man. Thank you. God bless Gallant. Um, Let's talk about the WRC, the World Rally Championship. The video that Gallant sent me is called, What is WRC? And then the World Rally Championship. It's a great video. I watched it. I'll include a link below wherever, if you're on YouTube, I guess. Um, and I recommend watching it if you've never heard of the World Rally Championship. Uh, Gallant, thank you for including that in the message. It was a really fun watch. It got, brought me some insight. I actually did. It led me to watch a couple other videos about rally, uh, rally car racing. And I want to say that rally car racing as a whole is wildly impressive. It's such a cool motorsport. Um, these drivers are undeniably talented. Um, again, the word I would use is just impressive. They're versatile. These guys are driving through dirt. They're driving through snow. They're driving over jumps. uh, They're on the edge of steep cliffs. They're driving at night in night races. They're driving through fog. They're driving on street races. Rally car drivers are, they deserve a lot of respect. These are drivers that at times are doing tire changes mid-race. And another thing that's cool about rally car racing is you have two people in the car, the driver and the co-driver, and... Their relationship is really cool and fun to follow. Um, So Rally Car Racing, in my opinion, just from a top-down view, is undeniably a cool thing. But I do think that Rally Car Racing could benefit from a Netflix, you know, Drive to Survive style documentary series. You know, I want to get to know Rally Car Racing, and I don't know how to do it very well. But I'll be honest, here's the problem. Even if I watch a docu-series, I still don't think that it would get me to watch races. Uh, you know, at best, I'm probably going to maybe someday watch rally car highlights uh, because it's undeniably cool—the stuff that goes, the jumps, the the crashes, the fast driving. The there's there's cool, intense, brief moments in rally car racing that I go, "Wow, um, that's wild." But I'm not an inherent motorsport fan, right? I am a, I'm specifically a Formula One fan because F1 has a specific set of conditions. That grabbed my attention. Here's what Rally Car does not have. So Rally Car is a time trial. They do not have wheel-to-wheel racing. It's not really a race the same way that Formula One is. This is a series of time trials. To me, while it's very cool and very clearly impressive, it's just not as interesting to me. And I'll be honest, I'm very open about this. I'm an American, right? Rally Car, in my, in my world, has never been something presented to me. Um, and the only rally car driver I'm familiar with is Ken Block. Ken Block I learned about because of Rob Dierdeck, the guy who did Fantasy Factory. And while that might make people mad at me, I, I, and I'm sure there's a bunch of star drivers in rally car I've never heard of, um, but to me, Formula One is more accessible, and the drivers are stars. I'm invested. There are teams and drivers I am emotionally invested in in Formula One so even though I can recognize rally car is a cool sport, it's probably still not a sport I'm ever going to follow. It's cool, hey, if you love it, man, dude, great. And I can say I'm not a big soccer fan. Soccer doesn't work for me, but soccer doesn't even look cool to me. Soccer just never even makes me want to watch it. I don't want to. I don't even want to watch soccer highlights. Rally car is cool. The, the idea is awesome. I want to watch highlights. It's exciting, but for me, it's it's a it's a sport I'm never really going to be invested in because. There's this long weekend, a bunch of time trials, where in comparison, F1 has one big main event, a big race. And if you want to make Formula One your entire weekend, you can. There's multiple practices to watch. There's qualifying to watch. Um, But even more than Formula One, Rally Car seems very, very spread out. You know, whereas, you know, F1's focused on the main event and Rally Car is the whole weekend. So look, I don't hate Rally Car at all. Uh, we'll talk about NASCAR in a minute. I don't care about NASCAR. It'll never grab my attention. I don't even want to watch NASCAR highlights. Um, but rally car is cool. Rally car, undeniably cool. But because there's no wheel-to-wheel driving, because it's so long, it's never going to be a sport I sit down on a Saturday and watch unless I'm really bored. I just I can never see a future where I watch rally car, even though I can admit, man, if you're a rally car fan, I get it. It's cool. It's just not something I want to follow. right? So no hate from me. Just also no real pull or draw or grab as well. Now, Alex writes in. Alex says, I know you've been covering F1 recently, but would you ever consider covering NASCAR? I mean, look, no offense to NASCAR. (sighs) NASCAR is never going to grab my attention. Um, Here's one thing that is important to me is that in my opinion, I don't, I don't know if it's in my opinion. It's really kind of objective. Formula One cars are objectively better than NASCARs. NASCAR is objectively inferior from a performance level to Formula One, right? You, you can't watch NASCAR go around the turns at the speeds that, like, try to watch a NASCAR go around an F1 track. Th- there's no competition there. They're, they're, n- they're just not as high performance as a, a Formula One car. And I also want to say, it seems like there are so many NASCAR teams. I looked it up. There are 17 teams in NASCAR. How many drivers do you think are driving in NASCAR? I counted 37 drivers, three, seven, 37. To me, that's too many. And the couple times I've like, jumped in and watched a NASCAR race, I go, I'm overwhelmed with how many drivers there are. Not to mention, it's actually not very interesting to me. I just don't the, the big circle, it, kind of the, the, the kind of long-term joke about NASCAR is it's only left the whole time. And it's not only left. I watched a race recently um, where there was like a little, what do you call it? A um, The name is, I'm drawing a blank here. There was a little turn. I'm like, oh, there was a little, mo- I, why can't I think of the name right now? It doesn't matter. It wasn't left the whole time is my point. Um, but to me, it just doesn't grab my attention. It's like soccer. I'm glad people like NASCAR. It just a chicane. That's the word I'm thinking. of. There was a little chicane in a NASCAR race. So I was like, "Oh wow, that's that's surprising and different than I thought." Um, and I'm glad people like NASCAR. I really am. If you love it, all the power to you. There's a great. I've seen a great um, YouTuber. I forget the name. Like NASCAR is not so bad. I'll never watch a YouTube video about it. NASCAR is interesting enough. Where there's some YouTuber. I forget the name of him right now. I think it's called uh, Black Flags something. Uh, he's a, he's a great YouTuber. He does great videos. Um, and I've watched a couple of those videos, but I'm never going to sit down and watch a really long NASCAR race because to me, it doesn't grab my attention. It's, it's interesting. Sports in general are my passion. So I'll watch a soccer documentary. I'll watch a NASCAR documentary. But I'm never going to sit down and watch a, a NASCAR race. And I probably am very rarely going to sit down and watch a soccer game because while I'm glad people like it, I just know my limitations. And I know that NASCAR and soccer are just really not for me. Okay, the final question of the day comes from Liam. Liam writes in, he says, Hey Zach, F1 question for you here. Who would be your driver of the year so far? Hamilton is the obvious option, probably the best driver of all time, in my opinion, and in the beastly Mercedes. However, I think three other drivers could have an argument for different reasons. The first is Max Verstappen, who I view as the best pure racer out there on Sundays. His overtaking ability is pretty much unmatched and there has been and has been incredibly consistent all year. Second, in my opinion, is Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari. That car has been an absolute disaster this year, and the team has fallen from the, into the best-of-the-rest category. However, Leclerc has managed a few podiums against the faster teams Mercedes, Aston Martin, Red Bull, and arguably McLaren, too. And finally, Ranch, Lance Stroll has been brilliant in the racing point, and I know you're a fan of his. Interested to hear your thoughts. Love the show. Liam in the UK. Um, Look, I want to start by saying that Lewis Hamilton is undeniably talented. He does not get the respect he deserves with Mercedes. People give all the credit to the car. And Lewis is a great driver. That, That just cannot be forgotten in Formula One, how talented of a driver Lewis Hamilton is. If you switch Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, Max Verstappen would dominate the same way Lewis Hamilton would, in my opinion. But the same way Max Verstappen is constantly pushing Lewis Hamilton, if they switch positions, Lewis Hamilton would be constantly pushing Max Verstappen with a Red Bull car. Now, uh, Charles Leclerc and Max are both pushing their cars to the limit. That's an important thing for a driver to do. I mean, Max Verstappen, in my opinion, is my favorite driver in Formula One. But also, the difference between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc is that Max Verstappen is a little bit more developed in his talent and wisdom with a car. Uh, We saw the early years of Max Verstappen where he was crashing and doing reckless stuff. And he seemed to have gotten it out of his system and been really, really consistent this year. And I want people to remember the moment in the steering Grand Prix where Charles Leclerc took himself out of the race. Like the first lap, he dove inside on his teammate Sebastian Vettel, tried to go three wide. It was a really just a dumb, overly aggressive move that was a poor risk to take. And it showed a bit of immaturity from Charles Leclerc as a driver where, okay, we still need to see a little bit more development from Charles Leclerc. Now, he really put it all together in the second race in Silverstone at uh, the 70th anniversary Grand Prix, where I see, wow, okay, Charles Leclerc is getting better. He's developing. I think next year he might be as consistent maybe as Max Verstappen is this year. Um, So Leclerc is still developing. I think Max Verstappen's a better driver. Both are great, in my opinion, the driver of the year because of the way He's consistently just—I mean, he's really outperforming his car in the Red Bull. Max Verstappen is pushing his car to the limit every single week. To me, that's the driver of the year. Um, I would not even consider Lance Stroll in the racing point. It's kind of weird. Like uh, Liam, you said I'm a fan of uh, Lance Stroll. I'm really not. I don't have a big affinity for Lance Stroll. I think he's actually underperforming his car. Um, I, I don't think Lance Stroll has been some crazy phenomenon this year. And I want to do also say, so my driver of the year is Max Verstappen so far, in my opinion. Uh, but driver of the year is kind of like MVP or most valuable player in the NFL or the NBA. It's all opinion based. You have your own, you know, driver of the year. I have my own driver of the year. Everybody has their own. There's really no way you can measure that. And so I think it's all kind of silly. It's a fun conversation to have because everyone has their own, and it's fun to hear your opinion and my opinion. We can compare them and talk about where we all lie. Um, but at the end of the day, driver of the year is just as silly a conversation as a most valuable player is in other sports. And so uh, while it's a fun conversation, it's also not a very important, not a very helpful conversation because, again, it all comes down to your opinion versus mine. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I talked about Formula One and racing a lot longer. This, this, I thought this was going to be a 20-minute episode. We went for a much longer time than I would have thought. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, probably tomorrow around noon. We'll talk about the NBA. Hope you're doing well. But um, bum, bam, we are done.